Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. Here we are another week back talking about that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of you will have in your lifetime. It could be 10 years. It could be 20. Heck, it might even be 30 or 40. It is what we call retirement. If you would like to learn more about what you can do to get safely through retirement, go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you'll be able to get access to all of our education tools, all the resources we have available, as well as my new book. We finally finished the book. It will be coming out within the next month or so. We are taking pre-orders. Would like to give you the opportunity to get access to that so you can learn about the 10 risks facing your retirement, what you can do to solve those. One of the big ones inside the book is Social Security. Today, I brought in two experts to help me. You may remember them from previous shows. I've got Mark Kiner and Jim Blair from National Social Security Advisor Certificate Program and Premier Social Security Consulting. Guys, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Happy to be here again. Appreciate your support and the uh, willingness to educate 76 million baby boomers out there about retirement and the Social Security program. This is always fun for me because I learned about Social Security from you guys. You guys were the first class I went to. You have an eight-hour class that I attended that helped me greatly in better understanding the way the program worked and really instilled within me a desire to become an expert in the topic, to be able to learn the things that I needed to to solve the problems that many retirees have. Mark, could you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing and what led you to this point now where you guys do so much educating yourself on Social Security? Yeah, Dave, I was a CPA a long time ago. Back in 1980, I received my CPA license. And as I was getting older, so were my clients and questions about Social Security continued to come up in the later stages of my parents' tax returns. I had no clue what the answers were. So I thought I would offer social security consulting services in my accounting practice. So back in 2008, I bought three books on the topic, read them cover to cover. I ended up with more questions than answers. Either social security is confusing, maybe I'm a little bit of a slow learner, or a combination of both. So anyway, I knew I cannot offer social security consulting services in my accounting practice. So in 2009, in August or so, I was at a local restaurant called the Rusty Bucket. I was having lunch, an attorney walked in, somebody I'd known for about 10 years or so. I went up to him and I asked him if he knew anybody who can educate me about social security. Well, he told me that he has his uncle (laughs) that works for the Social Security Administration and his uncle is Jim. So I talked to Jim in uh, September 2009, gave Jim the grand vision of where I thought this company would go. And Jim, you flatly turned me down. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, the plan at that point uh, was going to retire a few months later and I was going to go fishing every day. But uh, you can't really do that, I guess, at least the way I catch fish. So turns out uh, we ended up doing something different, didn't we? And so, Dave, I sold my accounting practice 2012. I spent all of my time in the social security space, the consulting that we do and the education that we do across the country. It's amazing to see what you guys have built during that period of time. And you guys play off each other so well, especially Jim on your side. You've had years working in the social security administration. What's it been like 
on the outside. Now you're at a point that you're you're going back and dealing with all the laws, but from a different side of the spectrum. It does give you a different perspective. When you're on the inside, you definitely know what's going on. When you're on the outside, you see things that are happening that you know aren't right, maybe. And you want to make sure that they get fixed and people get the right information. The issue with the Social Security Administration is the same everybody's having. People are retiring. They're not replacing people. And so the staffing just isn't there. And the information that's coming out isn't what we would like it to be. And that's what Mark and I do. We try to make sure people understand what they have available to them, what their options are. And what benefits are available, make sure that you receive what it is you're entitled to receive. As I look out to many programs we have available to us, many times they're not what we would like them to be as an overall group. But what I found is we can often solve our own problem within that program to be able to get ourselves in the best position. Really what you guys are doing, what I've tried to do. Last week's show, I talked pretty extensively about the most recent trustee report, the information that we've had available. Mark, maybe approach you a little bit. Any thoughts on this new report? Does it give any new revelations that people should be aware of? Honestly, Dave, it doesn't give us any new revelations. We've known for a while that the Social Security Trust Fund, which was about $2.9 trillion a couple of years ago, is don't quote me on these figures. It's operating at a deficit. It began operating at a deficit in 2021. The 2022 deficit was about $22 billion. And it will continue to operate at a deficit. Uh, I'm drawing Social Security benefits at the age of 67 or so. Jim, he's drawing Social Security benefits at his age. I won't disclose what that is. And there are 66 million folks that receive about $1.2 trillion in benefits each year. So it's a huge program. It will continue to operate at a deficit for the foreseeable future. And I think by 2034 or so, the two trust funds, which are SSDI disability and the retirement trust fund, are due to be depleted. So the 2.8 trillion will be gone, but 2033, 2034, there's a little a difference on, on the year, at which time folks will see uh, maybe a 20% or so cut in their benefits if nothing is done to make the system more solvent going forward. Jim, what are some of your thoughts about how we're going to make the system more solvent or the trustees report? Yeah, it's, as far as the report is concerned, it, it does catch people's attention. But using that as a reason to apply for benefits is the worst thing that someone can do. That's the worst reason to decide when to take your Social Security benefits. What it tells us is that something needs to be done. What we've been seeing pretty much over the past several years is they're looking at raising the full retirement age. Currently, it maxes out at age 67. People born in 1960 or later, their full retirement age is age 67. That's probably at some point going to raise to age 70. We've seen lots of proposals and almost everyone talks about age 70. People are living longer and I can understand why they're, they're looking at that. Will it be right away? Not necessarily took 22 years to move it from 65 to 67. I suspect it'll be something similar. So people close to retirement probably are going to have the full retirement age they see now on their benefit statements. Some of the other things are probably going to raise the amount of money we pay tax on. 
caps out at 160,200 this year. We're maybe looking at around 250,000 or more. Some talk about still maybe capping it, say 160,200, but if you're in over 400,000, it'll kick back in again. Somebody's going to pay more tax. What does that mean in the future? If nothing else is done, that means we'll receive a higher benefit and we'll be in the same position we're in now. So there'll be some sort of means testing, either limiting the average wage that Social Security uses to compute somebody's benefit or just putting a cap on it. So those are the things that probably have a real good shot of becoming law. Jim, do you see at all the the chance of the average American paying higher payroll taxes as part of the solution? You know, there's some talk about raising the percentage of the Social Security tax. I really don't see that one because that affects everybody, including lower earners. And generally, at least what we've seen in the past, they try not to affect the lower earners. Their benefits affect the, the amount that they pay in. It's always a possibility, but I would put it more on the not likely end than the other side of that. Mark, one of the things that I always say about the program is it's going broke, but it will never go broke and use the economic impact it's going to have on society as part of that, as well as the voting block that's getting the benefits, including future generations that want the benefits. Any comments on your end, Mark, to that statement? It will never go broke. There's over $1 trillion in FICA taxes and taxes collected on, on the tax return for the taxation benefits comes in each year. So that money will be the amount of benefits that will be paid when the trust fund will be gone. So there's always money coming in. So Dave, I encourage you to continue to work. I encourage you to continue paying self-employment or FICA taxes because you've got two people on two sides of you that are wearing blue shirts that are receiving benefits from the system and we need your tax dollars to go into the trust fund. That's all I have to say. (laughs) But it will be there for a long time. It's not going to go away. Yeah. It's such a big part of our society. It's such a big part of who we are as a country and what we're doing. One of the things that we talk about is claiming benefits and getting it done at the right time. Oftentimes, though, we don't get into the details of what it looks like from a claiming process. What does that look like? Is the government going to reach out to you at age 62 and let you know, hey, you can sign up now? Jim, would you mind talking a little bit about what it takes for people to get signed up for the benefits? And is the government going to do anything to help you through that process? The government is not going to call you and tell you it's time to file for benefits, even at age 70. They're more than happy not to pay you a benefit if you don't apply. So it is up to individuals to be aware of the benefits they're eligible for and apply for those benefits at the point in time that they want them to begin. There's a couple different ways you can do that. And it's changed a little bit since the uh, pandemic that we just had. Technically, you can walk in a social security office and file for benefits. A lot of offices are not accepting walk-ins. What they'll tell you if you try that is uh, you have to make an appointment. Some of those offices will help you make the appointment and some will tell you to go home and call the 800 number. And that's the other way is you can call and make an appointment. You call the Social Security 800 number and make an appointment for either someone at the local Social Security office to call you and take the application over the phone. Or if you prefer, you can go into the local office and file in person. Now, those aren't the ways we suggest people do that. We suggest you apply online. If you have created a My Social Security account on the SSA.gov website, 
you don't have to talk to anybody. You go on that website, go on to your My Social Security account and just apply online. You can do that at your leisure pretty much 24-7. Whenever you're ready, you can file for the benefits. It's pretty easy to do. Most of the questions are self-explanatory. If you mess something up, Social Security will call you and, and correct it. So uh, those are the different ways to apply. I encourage everybody, first of all, create the account. And second, when you're ready to apply, apply online. Mark, any thoughts on your side regarding that? I agree with Jim 1,000%. Applying online is definitely the route to go. There are only a few benefits you're not able to apply for online. One will be children's benefits. The other one would be uh, surviving spouse benefits. And Jim, can you go from the restricted app to your own benefits online? Someone's filed a restricted application, meaning they're drawing benefits from their spouse's work record. Now they're approaching 870 and they want to file for their own. Yes, you can still do that online. That's no problem. How about that spousal boost? I know we've talked about that several times. Can you do that online? So you've got a wife collecting her own benefit. Now she becomes eligible for something off the husband when he files. Jim, can she file for that additional boost online? Unfortunately, no. The original application or the retirement, you could file online, but that second benefit, now that you're due at a different point in time, you have to apply through the local office, call the 800 number and make an appointment. I tell you, Dave, just one quick comment. We continue to hear horror stories about the information and advice or guidance given at the local office or on the, the telephone talking to SSA. We get these emails all the time. Every day, there's another horror story that an advisor or the public wants to tell us about. I would hear you guys talk about that when I went through your class and I thought, surely it cannot be that bad. And since I took that class, which has maybe been two years ago as time goes by, I've had it happen twice in my own life, not just with clients, but in my own life. Number one, with a sister who was getting survivor benefits. She was younger than retirement age. Her husband was in retirement. He passed away. They got the whole calculation wrong. She had a son younger than age 16. All that got miscalculated three times. Finally, fourth time, able to get her the right amount. And then with my own daughter, I just adopted a, a little girl that's deaf and blind, and we wanted a new social security number. My wife goes to the local office. They say, sorry, we cannot give you a new social security number for this. Luckily, she had listened to me and taught you know some of the things I taught. And she goes in and says, no, I, I can get it. Go back to your manager. Ask them uh, if I can't get this number. Goes back, comes back and says, oh, yes, Mrs. Hall, you, we can give this to you. You just got to click this little box here that says she's being adopted. And this little box here saying you're getting a new social security number. I'll be back in two minutes uh, with your new social security card. But uh, you guys talk about that and you really see it when you get in this space. Honestly, Dave, it's probably better she doesn't have a social security number, less opportunity to be involved with identity theft. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things that I, I often get people comment on when we talk about overall retirement is somehow they put retirement with Social Security, thinking that if I'm going to quit working, I've got to immediately sign up for Social Security. Jim, any thoughts on that and what people should really do to make sure they're claiming their benefits the way they should? Yeah, the you want to make a plan just because you're retired and you're 62 or older doesn't mean you have to take your Social Security right away. It is a lifetime benefit. You're going to receive it the rest of your life. The earlier you take it, the lower benefits you're going to receive. So there are situations where someone 
may not want to start receiving Social Security right away. You want to make that plan. You want to look at how important is Social Security and my planning for my benefits, but also for my surviving spouse. Because not only is it a lifetime benefit for you, but if your spouse is going to step into your shoes when you pass, it could be an additional lifetime benefit for them. When you take your benefit directly affects that. And that's the one area people tend to forget about the most. Nobody wants to think about that, I guess. I don't think any of us do, but it is a reality that we have to take into consideration. When I used to take claims, people would file for benefits. Everything would be fine. One member would pass away. And when you would tell the survivor what they were going to receive, they'd look at you and say, but that's not enough money. And at that point, it's too late. You have to factor it in in the beginning. Uh, so what is it you need to look at? You're going to look at your work history. Do you need the money now? What sources of other income do you have? Will that be depleted or is that in good shape? You're going to want to look at if you're a married couple, what's the difference between you and your spouse's age? What did your work histories look like? You might have a scenario where the lower earner of the two does take benefits at 62 and that leaves the higher earner the ability to delay and get a higher benefit later on, which also, as we were talking about, increases the survivor benefit. So there's all sorts of things for folks to take into consideration. We plan everything, plan marriages, plan vacations. Uh, some of us probably plan divorces, but this is a lifetime benefit. You got to take some time and plan it out. Look to find out what are my options? What are my benefits? And what's the best way for me to file? Great advice. More than 50% of CPAs will run out of money in retirement, and this number is projected to grow because of risks like inflation, increased longevity, and rising healthcare costs. Retirement Risks Advisors has the perfect solution to help CPAs make their money last as long as they do. Learn more by signing up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement. In this webinar, we share the top 10 financial risks CPAs will face in retirement and what can be done to reduce or eliminate each risk. To get started, visit retirementriskadvisors.com slash safe. When we look at longevity, what are you seeing there? So as I look from a government standpoint, we went from about 79 pre-COVID down to about 76.4 right now. But what I understand is we look out to 2060, even from a government side, they're saying that's going up, but that's also taking into consideration and for mortality, all the drug abuse that unfortunately it's going on in the country right now, all these things that hopefully you're over by the time you get to retirement. How does that play into the social security claiming strategies? And I keep waiting for the numbers to start going down, but according to the social security administration, a male in his sixties, still has a life expectancy of around age 84. A female in her 60s, we're still looking at a life expectancy of about age 87. They also tell us half of the people will live into their upper 80s, early 90s, and a quarter of the folks in their 60s will live to be 95 or older. The, what they don't tell us is which one of us those are, so we kind of got to figure that out on our own, but people need to look at their health, their family history, and that kind of thing. Understanding there's no guarantee, but you don't want to plan that you're going to uh, pass away at age 80. So you go ahead and spend all your money and age 80 comes around and you're still there and you don't have any sources of income. It's better to plan that you're going to live to 100 
And if you don't, fine. At least you had enough money to get by until you did finally uh, meet your maker. So the life expectancies may end up going down a little bit as Social Security records kind of catch up. But I don't see it dropping a whole lot. Let me add a couple of items here. In our class, we talk about my good friend, Ethel. Ethel lived to the ripe old age of 107. She passed away two weeks before she turned age 108. And she had been receiving benefits for about 40 years back in the 70s off of her husband as a current spouse. Upon his passing in the 80s, she switched to her surviving spouse. So folks out there may be Ethel's. They may be receiving benefits into their hundreds. Also, I found out about two months ago that the oldest person, I, I look at the Cincinnati obituaries from time to time, <laughs> and I saw that there's a, a guy in the obituaries in Cincinnati that passed away at the age of 952. <laughs> nope, 950-something. That's right, Jim. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing there might have been a typo, but still, when we look at longevity, it, it's amazing how long some people are living. And one of the things I always say, now, you guys have had a much, you've had much more experience in this space than I have, but I always tell people, I've never had someone come back from the other side to complain to me that they chose their benefits at the wrong time, but I get people complaining to me all the time that are in their 80s or 90s, didn't make the right decision. Decision. Again, you've had more experience. Anybody coming back from the other side to you guys, or are you seeing what I'm seeing that it's really becoming a, a longevity issue? Well, none that have complained about when they took their benefits anyway. I, I do live across the street from a cemetery, and uh, sometimes I wonder when my dog's staring off into the, to space, <laughs> but those folks aren't complaining. It's the people that are still around. I took my benefits at 62, took that big reduction. Now I'm receiving less money than I thought I was going to because maybe at 62, that was enough money. But as time goes on, even with cost of living adjustments, it just doesn't really keep up with the, the cost of everything. And so it does make it tough on people. And that's today's episode. Thank you for joining us for part one of our Social Security podcast. And we can't wait to have you join us again next week as Mark and Jim dive into part two of Social Security. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.